Amen. Well, please take your Bibles and turn with me at this time to the book of Ruth. Uh, the book of Ruth. You'll find that on page 258 in your pew Bibles. We're starting a new Advent series for the month of December uh, called Ruth, A Christmas Story. And uh, this is a series that we first did about 10 years ago. And over the years, a number of you have come up to me and said, can we do that Ruth series again? And I've always said no. I said, I, I don't like to uh, repeat a message or series and, until it's been at least 10 years. I want to wait at least 10 years uh, before we do that. Well, that was 2013. It's 2023. Uh, so uh, I thought it would be a great time to revisit this series together. Uh, you might be wondering, well, what does the book of Ruth have to do with Christmas, right? Ruth is in the Old Testament. Isn't the story of Christmas in the New Testament? And the answer to that is yes and no. Yes, we, yes, we do turn uh, to the Gospels in the New Testament to find the actual details of the Christmas story. Uh, Joseph and Mary, uh, the angels, shepherds and wise men, Jesus' birth in Bethlehem. But the Christmas story has deep roots. And it begins in the Old Testament. Because the Old Testament points forward to Christ and his coming. I suppose you you could probably do a message series called Genesis, a Christmas story, right? Uh, Or Isaiah, a Christmas story. You might even be able to get away with Leviticus, a Christmas story. But that's going to be a braver pastor than me. Um, I suppose you could do a series called The Old Testament, A Christmas Story, that would be a really long Advent series, okay? So, but we're going to do Ruth, A Christmas Story. And the book of Ruth is particularly appropriate to read as a Christmas story for a number of reasons. For one thing, it's actually a story, right? It's a short story uh, contained in four brief chapters, just focuses on a few main characters, and the part they played in God's amazing plan to save the world through Jesus. It's also appropriate because the events of Ruth bear directly on the events of Christmas. For example, it's no coincidence that the events of Ruth and the events of Christmas Christmas both take place where? In the town of Bethlehem. In fact, The whole reason Jesus was born in Bethlehem is specifically because of what takes place here in the book of Ruth. And so there's a direct connection between Ruth and the Christmas story. And then finally, as we work our way through the book of Ruth, we find some really remarkable parallels uh, between the story of Ruth and the Christmas story. For example... Christmas is the story, and you'll be familiar with this. Christmas is the story of a young woman who made a radical commitment of faith to God and then journeyed to Bethlehem where she gave birth to a child who had changed the world. If I, if I said that, you'd say, well, that's, that's the Christmas story. You can leave that slide up. Leave that slide up with the story there for a moment. We can go back to that one if we can. you say, that, that's the story of, uh, of Christmas, isn't it? Uh, A young woman who made a radical commitment of faith to God and then journeyed to Bethlehem where she gave birth to a child uh, who would change the world. Well, you know what the book of Ruth is about? It's the story of a young woman who made a radical commitment of faith to God and then she journeyed to Bethlehem 
where she gave birth to a child who had changed the world. You say, well, wait, they, they can't both be the same story. They are. They are, and we'll see that as we work our way through the series. And uh, this morning, we're just going to do the first chapter of Ruth. It's got four chapters, so we'll do a chapter a week. But we'll begin by reading verses 15 through 19. Will you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Ruth chapter 1, verses 15 through 19. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. And so the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we begin our uh, adventure and through this story of Ruth this morning, Uh, Lord, there are so many precious truths and applications for our lives. And Lord, there's amazing parallels between Ruth and the Christmas story. So Lord, touch our hearts as we prepare our hearts for Christmas this morning. Speak to us through your word, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. So as we just said, the book of Ruth is the story of a young woman who made a radical commitment of faith to God and then journeyed to Bethlehem where she she gave birth to a child who had changed the world. I've got to tell you, Ruth is such an unlikely candidate for this story. First of all, she was not even a Jew. She was from Moab. And the Moabites were long-term enemies of Israel. And so you might wonder, well, how did Ruth come to have faith in God? And, And how did she come to arrive in Bethlehem? Well, to answer those questions, we actually begin with another person's story, the story of Naomi. And uh, you probably heard her name mentioned uh, in the scriptures we just read. And Naomi's story begins with a flight from Bethlehem. A flight from Bethlehem. Let's start now. We're in Ruth chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. And uh, by the way, there is an outline in your worship guide if you'd like to take that out to follow along or jot down some notes as we go. In the days when the judges ruled... There was a famine in the land, and a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilian. They were Ephrathites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. And so the book of Ruth begins with a flight from Bethlehem, which is interesting because the Christmas story also contains a flight from Bethlehem that we'll get to shortly. A Sunday school teacher once asked the kids in her class to draw a picture of their favorite Bible story. Whatever it is, just draw draw a picture of it. And one little boy, you know, she's going through the picture, she drew a picture of uh, four people in an airplane. 
And she, 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 she was very interested. She said, okay, I, I, I'm very interested why this is your favorite uh, Bible story. Uh, can you explain this to me? And he said, oh, well, that's the flight from Bethlehem. She said, okay, okay, I, I get it. And she said, oh, yeah, oh, yeah I can see this is Mary, and that's Joseph, there's baby Jesus. She said, but who's this fourth person in the front of the plane? He said, oh, pff, that's Pontius the pilot. Well, back to Ruth and, uh, and their flight from Bethlehem. Verse 1 tells us that this story took place in the days when the judges ruled and that there was a famine. What were the days of the judges? The last verse of the book of Judges tells us the two most important things you need to know about those days. It says, in those days, first of all, Israel had no king, and secondly, everyone did as they saw fit. Everyone, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And so this was a time when Israel was not following God's commands, right? And so this famine, uh, this was not a coincidence. This was all part of God's plan to bring his people back to him. Well, Naomi and her family left Bethlehem, flight from Bethlehem, right, to escape the famine, and they went to Moab. And, you know, they probably just thought, you know, we'll just, we'll just go here for a little while, a few months. But you know how things go. You know, once they got there, they settled in. They acclimated to the culture. And before you knew it, Moab became their new home. And sadly, things did not go any better for Naomi and Moab uh, than they did in Bethlehem. Uh, we read in verses 3 through 5, the next verses. Now, Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died. And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women. So, you know, her, her, her Jewish sons marrying Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malan and Kilian also died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Naomi left Bethlehem to escape trouble. But she ended up losing her husband and two sons in Moab instead. And so, so the book of, Ruth, book of Ruth really opens up with these, a series of terrible losses for Naomi. She left her homeland. She lost her husband. She lost both her sons. Naomi lost everything in her flight from Bethlehem. The flight from Bethlehem in the Christmas story also involves terrible loss. After Jesus was born and the Magi came and worshipped him, we, we read this in the Gospel of Matthew. An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt, I called my son. When Herod realized that he'd been outwitted by the Magi, he was furious. And he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. A voice is heard in Ramah, weeping. In great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. The people in Ruth 
And the people in the Christmas story were no strangers to loss. And perhaps you are struggling with loss this Christmas season. Please know that God is working in your life even in the midst of difficult circumstances. God's word tells us we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. God was working in Naomi's life even though she could not see it at the time. And he was going to bring good out of her suffering and he would do that through a young Moabite woman named Ruth. So now we come to Ruth. She was mentioned briefly in verse 4. She was uh, one of the uh, Moabite women who married one of Naomi's sons uh, before her sons died. And, And now as we move into this next section of the story, what we see here is we are going to see Ruth make a radical commitment of faith. A radical commitment of faith that's going to change everything for Ruth and for Naomi and indeed everything for the whole world, even for us today sitting here in this room. In verse 6, Naomi learns that the famine is over in Israel. She prepares to return home to Bethlehem. And at first, both of her daughters-in-law, both Orpah and Ruth, uh, they begin the journey with her, but they get partway there. And, uh, and Naomi says, you know what? Go back to Moab. Go, go back to Moab. And there's some back and forth. You know, the daughters-in-law say, no, no, we want to stay with you. And, and she goes, no, go back. And back and forth. And finally, Orpah agrees. Orpah returns and goes back to Moab. And meanwhile, Ruth remains just clinging to Naomi on the road to Bethlehem. Naomi tells her one last time, he says, look, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. And that is when Ruth makes her radical commitment of faith. Probably the most famous verses uh, in the book of Ruth, verses 16 and 17. But Ruth replied, do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from you where you go. I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if anything but death separates you and me. Ruth pledges herself to Naomi. She pledges herself to Naomi's people, the, uh, the nation of Israel. But most important of all, what does she do? She pledges herself to Naomi's God. She pledges herself to the Lord. We read in the New Testament how the Thessalonians turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That's what Ruth does here. She turns to God from idols to serve the one true living God. The other daughter-in-law, Orpah, went back to her people and her gods. But Ruth makes a radical break from her people and from their false gods. And she commits herself in faith to the Lord, the one true God of Israel. Notice this also. This is a life commitment Ruth makes. She commits not simply for the length of Naomi's life. In other words, she's not just saying, you know what, I'll take care of you, Naomi, until you die, and then I'll go back to my country and my people. No, Ruth commits to serving the Lord in Israel for the rest of her own life, right? What does she say? Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. 
Ruth chooses to be buried with God's people rather than to return to her own land and her own ancestors. To be buried in Israel meant complete separation from her people and her gods forever. This was a radical faith commitment to the Lord, which would not only change Ruth and Naomi's lives, it would have repercussions that would change the course of world history. When I read about Ruth's faith in God, I'm reminded of another young woman's radical commitment of faith that changed the world. I think about Mary in the New Testament. Mary was just a young woman when, uh, when the angel Gabriel came to her. God sent Gabriel uh, with some very startling news. Uh, we read about it in Luke chapter 1. The angel told her, he said, do not be afraid, Mary. Well, she's looking at an angel. Of course you're afraid. Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, for nothing is impossible with God. And then Mary speaks her radical words of faith. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. Mary not only believed the word God gave to her through the angel, she submitted to his word in obedience. And this this was a difficult obedience, okay? This was an obedience that would endanger her life, tarnish her reputation, and risk losing her relationship with Joseph whom she loved and to whom she was engaged to be married. But you know what? Just like Ruth, what did Mary do? She laid it all on the line. She put it all out there. She made a radical commitment of faith that changed the world. Let me tell you this this morning. If you want to make a difference in this world, you need to be a person of faith. You cannot accomplish anything of lasting significance without faith in God. Now, you may not change the whole world, okay? Mary and Ruth, they they were very special people. They were major players in God's plan for the ages. But I guarantee you this. When you put your faith in God, and when you act on that faith in God, it will change your world. It will change your world and the world of those around you. Like Mary and Ruth, you also, me also, all of us, need to make a radical commitment of faith to God. Let's go back to Ruth now. We'll uh, pick up the story in verses 18 and 19. And here we find that the whole town was astir. Verses 18 and 19. When Naomi realized 
that Ruth was determined to go with her. She stopped, she stopped urging her. And so the, the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, can this be Naomi? When Naomi arrived in Bethlehem with Ruth, everything's a stir. You know, they couldn't believe it. It's been so long. This is Naomi. She's back after all these years. Very interesting. The Christmas story also describes a town that was all astir. We read these verses earlier from Matthew 2. Let me read them to you again. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star in the east. We've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. They knew in Bethlehem in Judea, they replied. This is what the prophet has written. They, they quote from Micah. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people Israel. The whole city of Jerusalem was astir at the news. They heard it. The Messiah has been born. They even knew where. They knew the location in Bethlehem, in Judea. Bethlehem was only, get this, six miles. Only six miles away. And yet we don't read that anyone bothered to make the trip to see this newborn king. When Naomi and Ruth arrived in Bethlehem, their whole town was stirred because of them. And the woman explained, can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. See, the name Naomi means pleasant. It's a nice name. The name Mara means bitter. Naomi left Bethlehem ten years earlier with a husband and two sons, full of hope for the future. Now she has returned a broken woman. So she tells the people, don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. She goes on to say, I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Naomi was in a dark place. When she returned to Bethlehem, maybe you've been in a dark place before. Maybe you're in a dark place this morning. Naomi was in a dark place. She was hurting. She did not know that God was working to bring good out of her situation. And yet God was there. He was working all the time. She just could not see it. And I love how this this first chapter of Ruth ends. We get to the very last verse of this first chapter, and this is what we read. So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. What did we just see back in verse 20? Naomi said, don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. What does God do in verse 22? Calls her Naomi. (laughs) Don't you love that? He continues to call her Naomi anyways. Why? Because God has good plans for her. 
And so he continues to call her by her name. And then we, we also learn that the barley harvest was just beginning. This is a sign of God's grace and new beginnings. And so after a dark opening chapter, we get to that final verse. There's a break of light, isn't there? And you get the sense that things are about to get a whole lot better for both Ruth and Naomi. So what are some of these parallels that we find between Ruth and the Christmas story? Uh, there are a number we discovered just in this first chapter. The book of Ruth that we've, we've seen take, takes place in the time of the judges when there was no king, no king in Israel. The Christmas story is about Jesus who was born king, born king of the Jews and was worshipped by kings from afar, kings everywhere. The book of Ruth begins with a famine in Bethlehem, which is ironic because the name Bethlehem means house of bread, right? A house of bread, plenty, food. When the book of Ruth begins, however, there's no bread in Bethlehem. There's no bread in the house of bread. But in the Christmas story, there is bread in Bethlehem because Jesus is the bread of life who came down from heaven and was born in Bethlehem. On Christmas morn. The book of Ruth is the story of a young woman who made a radical commitment of faith to God and then journeyed to Bethlehem where she gave birth to a child who would change the world. Christmas is also the story of a young woman who made a radical commitment of faith to God. Then she journeyed to Bethlehem where she gave birth to a child who would change the world. God was at work at Bethlehem in the days of Ruth and Naomi. God was at work in Bethlehem in the days of Joseph and Mary. And God is at work today in the lives of those people who come to him through Jesus for salvation. In closing, let me just share with you the third verse of Philip Brooks' classic Christmas carol. We sang it a little bit earlier in the service, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And Phillips Brooks writes, how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given. So God imparts to human hearts the blessings of his heaven. No ear may hear his coming, but in this world of sin, where meek souls will receive him still, the dear Christ enters in. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for uh, this story of Ruth. Lord, it's a beautiful story. It's a love story. It's a true story. But it's also a story that parallels the Christmas story in so many wonderful ways. So Lord, as we uh, uh, journey together through this book, I pray that you would indeed help us to see Christmas on every page. For Jesus is on every page in your word, Old Testament and New. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.